but the women from 50 up, I don't even know they had oral sex with their partners prior to in their marriage. I don't know if they hung from the chandeliers. I don't even know if they got coochie cream, if they masturbated, if they had oral sex with a man. So when you say a generational gap, you mean there might have been less exposure to a diversity of sexual activity. I know it has. Hey, hey, Leslie here. And I'd like to say a quick note before we get started with Ella Reza. It's not that often that we have the opportunity to hear unfiltered, open discussion of sexuality and dating in a woman's mature years. We sometimes hear discussion of sex after menopause, but popular culture forgets that many women in their 60s, 70s, and beyond are still sexually interested and sexually active. People in this season of their life face unique challenges to emotional and physical intimacy that my guests will talk about today. But a fun fact for you before we start, while vaginal tissues do atrophy after menopause due to a decrease in estrogen, your clitoris never does. You know, you can move the mic closer to yourself. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> Ella Reza. It's perfect. Okay. Are you okay with that? Are you comfortable? Sure. Okay, great. All right, so I'm recording. Hey, hey, and welcome to Her Sex Podcast. I'm Dr. Leslie Wakefield, a pelvic health physical therapist, and today my guest is nothing short of fireworks. Her name is Ella Reza, and she was my very first interview when I wanted to start the show. Uh, but I had no place to record, no equipment, and no idea what I was doing, and the audio was absolutely terrible. It was such a shame because she is amazing to talk to. Um, so welcome back. Before we get started, Elareza, may I give you a thank you gift? I really want you to open it while we're recording. Certainly, okay. and it's lovely to be here. Thank you. This is as a thank you for coming on the show twice now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Mm. Okay, but you have to actually open it. I have to open it? Yep. Okay. Candle. Coochie candle. I love it. And now I open it. <laughs> well, um, if all the listeners could see us now, this is absolutely phenomenal. Um, there is my um, vagina right on top of the candle. <laughs> It's not yours specifically, but it's... It's not mine? I it thought not, it was mine. It is not yours specifically. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, right in the center where you um, light the candle is a clitoris. <laughs> Am I correct? It's a coochie candle. It's a coochie candle. <laughs> All right. But I love it. All right. So it. rather than me doing, doing an introduction, I'm going to ask you some questions. Sure. And you answer as much or as little as you want. Sure. Okay. Ella Reza. Yes. Where are you from? You have a beautiful accent. Thank you. I'm from Eastern European parents, and um, I was born in Johannesburg and schooled in England. And what do you do for a living? I've been a ballerina all my life. I was uh, in the ballet companies in South Africa and then the Royal Academy in England, and then I came to America and I worked on the Broadway stage for many, many years. And this explains your beautiful posture. Well, thank you. So last time when you came on um, and the audio was unsalvageable and it was such a shame because we had so much fun talking. I really want to thank you for coming back. We sort of wanted to talk about some of your history of a disease called lichen sclerosis. Yes. 
and your recovery and um, sort of everything surrounding that. But we got into a lot of other really fun stuff. Yes. Why don't you tell us about your experience with lichen sclerosis, which is a skin disorder, and we'll go from there. So in my journey of uh, growing up, um, I've met a lot of women in the work that I do today um, having issues uh, with their pelvic floor and lack of sex, can't have sex, dryness, um, illness, such as, in my case, uh, Dr. Leslie Wakefield did discover my lichens after six years of struggling with an enormous amount of uncomfortableness and pain. Um, I was getting these sores all over the vagina, in the lips, down the legs lately, and finally did meet a excellent gynecologist. And um, there is a very simple ointment, very strong, that relieves the symptoms as well as, well, not the symptoms, release, releases the pain and discomfort because it's very difficult. Sometimes I've found over the period of all these years, it's been internal on just one side. Then if I'm very stressed and very upset, it'll go on to the right side of the vulva. Then um, lately I was very, very upset. And then it started going down my left leg. And um, then on top of the vaginal bone, the pubic bone. So it's interesting how this... Um, uh, disease, actually, this auto—it's an autoimmune disease where it actually travels to those. For me, that's where it is. However, now we have found that it's on my back. No kidding. Uh huh. And it's in my left shoulder, right in the blade. And um, now I have the same kind of cream that I have to put on, but it's in cream form. And for the vaginal area, it is with gel form. So lately, while you've been upset, it's getting worse? Um, I've noticed that, obviously, when someone is upset, we certain things happen. You know, I have been, unfortunately, had some difficult growing up pains. And those growing up pains come from abuse, emotional abuse. Unfortunately, at one point in my very early years of my life, from 19 until about 27, um, you know, abuse to the body. And it was all very difficult to work out. It's taken a journey. It's taken a lifetime journey. Do you find that that history of trauma and abuse contributes to um, your stress, your anxiety, tightness that you feel in your pelvic floor? I think so. Um, I think that the first thing that happened to me before I got married, I was sexually attacked by a girlfriend's husband. Um, I was 17 at the time. I had come back, was on holiday, and um, I was just blindsided by going to pick up some things. We were all on a beach, and I went up to their home, and uh, I... Uh, went to the kitchen and he dragged me into the shower and uh, raped me. I've never dealt with that before. 
And then after that, my marriage, my first marriage, um, unfortunately, I married a man who was emotionally with issues, which at that time he was so naive. And only after I left him, uh, many years later, I went on my journey of recovery. It's hard to talk about our issues. Sometimes I feel we don't know how to explain or emote that pain to people. Everyone's different. I think I hide things, and I always have to be okay. You have to act like you're okay. I have to act like I'm okay. I think that's from being a ballerina all my life and really working at high stakes, you know, working at the top of the ladder where there's no time for that. However, with all due respect to the art of what I've done all my life, when I dance, when I create choreography, when I have taught a ballet or choreographed, I'm lost in my glory of no pain. That's where my power comes. Then when I end, the power goes. And that's when I had to learn, and still learning, how to be single at this stage of my life, which is not easy. Uh, I love life. I, I'm spirited. I, I do things that most people don't do. I love safaris. I love going to countries that I went to Russia. I, I, I love things that are beautiful for me. And I'm very spontaneous, and there's no uh, limit to where I'd go. Tell me about the Puswa Club. So one of my journeys to Morocco, two and a half, three years, yeah, three years, this year it's three years, um, I was sitting at a fireplace in the desert with nomad uh, camel men playing guitars like you would not believe. And there were three wonderful ladies from India that live in Canada, actually, and a friend of mine and myself and another and then a few more guests and as women we when women get together for some reason we let down that curtain well not all women but most women with a little bit of too much wine and we just started discussing men of course and then we discussed husbands and then we discussed uh, walking away from our boyfriends or walking away from our partners or walking away from our husbands and the the Unfortunately, the um, catastrophe, what it's like to find a new partner. So it depends. Sometimes they are older, they've had uh, issues, the men, and they ha don't have a salute to them anymore. <laughs> they don't have a salute to them no, they anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Okay. You know, and that's very difficult for them. And But we don't realize that until we if we're not that compassionate, because it's, it's like really upsetting. You know, it is upsetting. And so the Puswai, I decided that we should all write and do what you're actually doing right now and uh, let everyone know that if they want to join the Puswai Club, you can write your Puswai story, which I think is very important because when we're together as women and if somebody knows that I'm having a hard time, I can't have sex – why? And then maybe somebody in that party would say, oh, 
that's happening to me too, which is interesting. And it is true because I have a very dear friend that lives in um, Dominican Republic and uh, everybody's in their 60s and I was invited and we were talking about not having sex for a long time and some of us couldn't have sex because it was dry and there was we, we, they couldn't penetrate and we had lichens and this one had this and that. So it was like I met five Spanish ladies who spoke no English whatsoever. My interpreter was my girlfriend and you were just sharing with me that I've got to use a vibrator and we called the vibrator George. George? Yeah, George. I don't know why. We, oh, I know why. Because um, uh, George Clooney, because he's so gorgeous, we could fantasize <laughs> about George, you know, and, and that's a clear picture of so fabulous, you know, he's just perfect and um, nice to look at. And um, wow, could you imagine making love with George Clooney? How would he really be, you know, and how would I be, so to speak? So when my friend came for Christmas that year, we went to the sex shop, and she bought 20 Georges for all her girlfriends. 20? <laughs> 20. Um, it was hilarious. Um, and I'll never forget, we both went incognito. I wore glasses and a big shawl over my head and wrapped it around like a Muslim woman so that I wouldn't be recognized. Was this here in your hometown? Where yes, it was. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I hope no one sees me. I hope no one sees me. And when I walked in there, my eyes were like popping out of my head, really popping out of my head. And my friend gave those all out for Christmas. And it was hilarious because these are all religious Catholic women and, you know, going to church and being very obedient. And, and here they, they loved the gift, by the way. I must that say that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you... a woman complain about, yeah, exactly. <laughs> about that as a gift. So that's uh, the story and the birth of the Pussois Club. So um, I understand the Poussois Club. I understand George now. Who's Barney? Oh, so um, you sent me to another pelvic floor therapist as you were expecting your first baby. And uh, you discovered my lichens. And we both discovered my doctor for my gynecologist together. You chose, I chose, and she was perfect. And then uh, she suggested another uh, therapist that is excellent. And I went into a six-week program. And only 20 minutes, half an hour, that's it. And there's a very specific uh, <laughs> penis that you have to have because of entry. Because once you uh, are um, have the, the, the lichens, in my case all the way to the uh, vulva, and then the left side of the vulva is stuck. It's like going into a hole, and there's like a piece of stone there stopping. you got to like chisel away the stone to get into entry. Okay, hold up. So the tissue itself is more stiff. Very but, stiff. But your partner has to have a specific penis? No, in order to practice constantly for entry. Okay. And I haven't... So it's a treatment tool? It's a treatment tool, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I never realized how important that is because I've had a lot of treatment tools and they've been difficult for the entry. But there is a specific um, replacement of what a penis looks like, and he's purple. 
but it's the way he's shaped and he's rather exactly, it looks exactly like a man's penis. So it's a dildo. It's a dildo, but it's a practice dildo for you to, you don't get any pleasure out of it. It's about practicing, in my case, the entry. It's a treatment tool to work on the, the pelvic floor muscles at the opening. And, unbelievably so. And a lot of breathing tissue. work and and relaxation and calm and like descriptive images of lying and breathing and opening up your legs and relaxing the muscles. So being a dancer all my life, my muscles are the reverse. They're so tight. And because I've been so anxious and so sad, um, I remember working uh, with one of your other therapists who's brilliant, and I cried the first time. I cried. I was so sad that I was missing something that was really important. And I never realized how important it is, is to have intimacy with a partner and to be loved in a sexually beautiful way. And that is huge. For me today, I think part of my sadness, not I think, I know that part of my sadness is about, I don't have a partner right now. Um, and it's been a while. Actually, to be honest, it's been six years now. I've done, I've been, I've met certain people that I've gotten to go and have intimacy with, but um, I never made it to that point because of me, you know, of my, uh, and also them, because they couldn't maintain their erection. So that was, there was other things. There was oral sex, which was very, nice and 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 loving and it felt good and i was happy and and it makes you feel different you are different it's like a flower that has been without water for so long and when you water your plants and or an orchid every week with ice cubes it wakes up it it brittles up you know you it looks different feels different to them even though it's a plant so that's how i feel when you have that intimate connection with someone. Yeah, without that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to that though. There's parts of age. So for me I struggle with that because Do you mind sharing your age? No, I don't mind sharing. I think what's more important though is to understand my thinking first, why I don't um share my age. There are a couple of things. My late mother always said to me, you know what, Ella? Don't ever tell anybody your age because there are a lot of women that don't look like you and they're going to be not on your side and they're going to be not good for you. She was a bit more blunt about that, but I'm being more generous. My thinking my whole life is, I think, I've always been a starry-eyed little girl, and I had parents. I remember my seventh birthday. Uh, my father and mother rented a big merry-go-round with a cover, a carousel, with music up and down, and little ponies for the friends. 
So I've always been enchanted with birthdays. And when my birthday comes, I don't look at it as how old I am, and this is the truth. I look at the fantasy of it and how can I make this the most spectacular event for me since I'm a little girl. On my 13th birthday, I went with my late teacher to Covent Garden, and I waited online outside Covent Garden with her in the most beautiful outfit, and I saw five major ballerinas, and I wore my first, at that time, petal toe heels with those little things, and a very skinny legs. My stock, I tried stockings on for the first time, and I couldn't stand them, and they were wrinkling down and by my ankles, but I thought I looked cool and long hair, and I had a brooch. I was, I, I was following the queen because I grew up with the queen, so a pearl necklace, and on my coat, I had a a dress and a coat that goes over to match. And I had my pin, as you always see the queen with the pin. Uh, that was a spectacular birthday. So my age is energy. Where is my energy? Where is my mind? And then when I have to say my age, I go, oh, well, that sounds awful. And then I go back to, how old are you, Ella Reza? How old are you? Well, I don't know how old I am because my energy dictates who I am and it's pretty, pretty vibrant. So when I go out and as for now in the last six years of my life, looking for a partner, the first two years I would say I didn't bother because I came out of a very, very contentious um, awful marriage. Um, it was awful, and um, I really suffered with it. And then you find yourself looking for a man. One, first, is this going to be a starter set? A starter set? What do you mean? Well, you know, like when you get married for the first time, you'll have a little starter set of a new dinnerware, but you don't kind of use it so much. You, it's like your taste changes a year later because you're now used to getting married and you feel more confident and you want to make a, you want to get like other China and, or you want to get theme China. Like if you're going to make, cause you want to please your husband and you're playing the, the wife, the new wife and you're cooking and suddenly you want to get all Italian looking cause you're making an Italian evening. And then you, you want it more refined and you get French. Well, that's how I am anyway. And I think everybody might be like that, but little gadgets and little ideas and, or whatever. So, and then you throw the starter set away. Okay. That's what I mean by a starter set. Maybe, maybe like a warm-up. Well, you could say a warm-up, but it's a starter set because you might not land up with that person, you know, because you're looking for different things in the beginning. And some of us are luckier than others. At this time of our lives, we try to choose correctly. We look at the red flags. And what is the purpose of this relationship? Do you really want this relationship to be amorous and fun and interesting and exciting? And is this man will give of himself and is he balanced and has he got something to offer you besides finance? Is it, can he give me that emotional support that I need? And also I of him, you know. So I'm not sure if that goes all hand in hand in the very beginning. Unfortunately, in the last six 
well, I'm going to say four years. Um, I, I went on dating sites. Um, it's been it's been interesting in the sense that most men, so that I attract men from sixty to seventy, tops. I would say, chronologically speaking, seventy five. Some of them are great, and some of them, I've discovered very interesting dates. One gentleman came with an injection frozen on a bed of ice, coming to a very sharp restaurant that we went to. A medical injection? A what? A medical injection? Yes. For his penis. Oh, like uh, for erections? Yes. And where did he plan on doing this injection? When he took me home to bed, which I never did. Rather presumptuous? Precisely. Did he tell you about it while you were at the restaurant? How did you know? Well, I asked him what was in the can, which looked like a milk can. Me and my big mouth. And I was very like, <laughs> what is that? And he sa- I said, really? And I was like, no, I'm sorry. This is not for me. You didn't like that? You weren't interested in him enough to take him home? Or the fact that he brought it was too presumptuous and that made you not interested? I think both. Yeah. So for a woman like me, I need to be captured by something. Uh, happy personality. I'm very worldly, so I like someone who's worldly. I'm sophisticated. I'd like someone at least sophisticated. Otherwise, I think the most important thing I found is you've got to walk down the same street. You've got to have the same wants and needs, um, whether you're young or old. It's just you don't discover it when you're much younger. And some women, as they get much older or, and I usually don't use the word older, I always say mature. It's like as you mature, your senses change. You can't have everything, you see. You can't have everything. Let me ask you a question. At what point have you or would you tell a potential partner about your particular set of difficulties with sex? Because I know sex is important to you and you would like to have penetrative sex, but that might be a challenge or require some special timing or special efforts do you talk to the men that you're dating about that? Well, I, w- I don't speak to them about that. I think if we went further into the relationship, which I did do in May, I met somebody, I really, vice versa, we both flipped for each other, and we just connected. It's like just putting on a shoe that fits. And that was magical. And uh, I prefer tall men. He was tall. He was interesting. He was a good person. He lost his wife about three and a half years ago, and they knew each other since they were in high school. And um, they had a fabulous life, and he lost it three and a half years ago. And um, we both discussed uh, that a little later on together because we were planning to be together and... Intimately together. Intimately together. And he was very, he was fighting himself because he hasn't done the work of a therapist to help him really get over or how to start again on his journey without her. So his head said no and his heart, it was a hard breakup for both of us. And he actually has been texting me all through my last, this just recent vacation uh, in and out, in and out, and eventually I just put an end to it because it was too difficult for me. 
But we discussed. He said, I haven't made love in three and a half years. And he did say to me, he said, you know, uh, Ella, I have um, had prostate cancer, and I had, and they didn't do the surgery correctly. So he has been using, he had been using Viagra in his marriage. So he was up front. He said, well, I got that out the way. And so I, in turn, said the same thing I and shared with him the lichens and what it is. I said, but you know, when you connect, things become easy. When you really connect, when two people, even in their 60s or 70s, get together, it connect, it, if you're honest with each other, it connects. You know, it becomes that expectation of penetrative sex will happen because you'll both guide each other and be fine and feel comfortable and trust each other. I think that's that, that for me would be would work very workable. So for you, what would make it work would be emotional intimacy mm-hmm. and clearly very good communication. Correct. To be able to talk about not just what's going on, but also the best ways to work around or work through. Precisely, yes. Is, is that communication that you've ever practiced either with your PT or with a therapist or another yes. partner? Yes, I'm very um, open and I communicate well. And I can share my emotions, whether they're great or sad. I share my emotions because I've learned over all these years that's how you heal, that's how you can communicate to someone, that there's no barriers, and um, and it works for me in all areas of my life. Uh, I share what I feel in my heart. Um, I try to be as smart as possible in my uh, response to things. Um, I think I've improved with my uh, maturing. I can express exactly what's wrong with me or right with me. And um, I think that's one of the most, I think most women, we are very shy, women to women. Uh, It's like no one's going to say, oh, I'm dry and I can't have uh, intimacy with my husband or 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 any partner. Um, Oh, I've got this. But I think when women get together and join the Poussois Club, of course, in my opinion, then you can go, oh, wow, you know what? What did you do? And then the other one will say, well, what did you do? And then this one say, well, this works for me, but why didn't you try this and that? And so unity is unity between anything we do is power. I feel like I'm trying to build your Poussois Club. I feel like everything that you're saying is the goal of what we're talking about, why we're talking right now. Exactly. Let me ask you a very personal question. Sure. And you can always decline to answer. That's kind of you. No harm, no foul. (laughs) You've mentioned that you had a history of being sexually abused and physically abused. Mm -hmm. You you told us about one time, but from what I understand, there were many years of abuse. Mm -hmm. The way you're presenting to me now, and as I know you, which is a very direct, very open, um, in touch with yourself and willing to share it with others. I mean, you're here talking to me today. That takes a lot. How did you how did you move through trauma and tension into this space where you seem very comfortable to be open and vulnerable? It's a it's a big story. My late husband 
was an untreated alcoholic. I learned over the years that alcoholic is a dry liquid or a wet, or it's pills or liquid is the same. In America, they have everything for you to get well uh, in the sense of programs that are available if you want them. So um, I wound up in the family program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I started going to uh, Al-Anon. And then I was allowed to go into Alcoholics Anonymous as um, not about the liquor, but to learn the the twelve step program, which is brilliant, because it's um, non. It can be for any religion. It can be for anyone. And I went to both programs, and in my first years, I started going. 90 meetings in 90 days. And then I went every day. And I started what they call peeling the onion. In the beginning, I thought I was going to help my family to learn how to live with someone with this disease. So if someone has cancer, you don't just walk away from them. This is a cancer. It's a, it's a, it's a disease of the... Uh, an emotional disease. There's a big hole in someone's heart uh, that looks to get back well. They fill it up. If you're lucky enough, you can fill it up with health. If you're not lucky enough and don't want to do the work, then you, um, you die. So my late husband died of that disease, which gave me more courage to be a better power of example for my son. And it's, a, it's complicated because it's like a, a mobile around a baby's crib. There's a mother, there's a father, and there are four kids. Somebody in that family has that in their genes. And you, know, you don't know which one it is. And it starts and then it comes out. It's a disease of behavior. So that I learned. So what I started doing was learning about myself and changing. A lot of crying, a lot of pain, a lot of meetings. And then one day in one of the meetings, there was a counselor there that came up to me and liked my story and asked me if I would work with women in distress. I said, really? Okay. She said, you have a great story, and look how well you're doing. So um, that's how I started in saying, when I speak about my past and my abuse, the veins pop out of my legs, and the pain of what occurred becomes real again. But then, by me sharing my story with those that need that, man or woman, you get more strong and happier and realize how far you've achieved your gain in being better, meaning better that you don't make the wrong choices anymore. And you could still, which I did, I did make wrong choices after that because we're, bl- we're naive. 
naive. Some of us are very naive. And being a ballerina all my life, my life as a young girl wasn't like everybody. I was a child protege. I was, my life was, I didn't have, what, I'm not American originally, uh, so we don't have sweet 16s. We don't have, we have a coming out 21st birthday, and that's about it, and a university dance. So, and it's all very formal. So it's not like the American way of life where you have sweet 16s and you're going to the parties and and um, I'm a, a cheerleader or anything like that. So it's different. And there's nothing wrong. It's just that it's different. So I was very sheltered in my work. I was at a ballet bar since I'm four years old, working to be better and better and better. And that's how I got in as a very young age into the Royal Ballet. And um, so, and performed it. Royal Albert Hall, and I was in Her Majesty's Ballet, and um, it's it's a different it's a different upbringing, music, piano, elocution. So my world, me being in a man's world, is almost frightening at this stage of my life. And I just realized over the this period of the last six years, they frightened too. That they in, they also are inadequate with themselves, you know. Um, not all, but most. So I've learned to talk about my pain and not be ashamed. What do you think are the challenges of dating at this stage of life? Oh, humongous! One, when a man loses a partner, a wife after a successful marriage unless they do the work and get therapy to get them on the right path of recovery, there's no chance for the for him to really have a... Um, yeah, he might go out and date different women, but he'll not be in that relationship where he wants to be again with someone. Or they, in my case, like in my case, that I, the gentleman I met, he was ready, we were ready to like, move right forward, I probably would have landed up with him because we were just so well suited. And uh, but, but you can't fix anyone. So the old Ella would have tried to fix someone. So I didn't cause that, I can't cure that, and I can't control it. I can't. I learned that in Al-Anon. I can't cure, I can't control, I can't fix, I can't. I can't cure it. I can't cure anyone's dysfunction. They have to do the work. So I have to walk away, and I've learned to do that. Uh, it's a new feeling, and it's sad. Um, and most men, more than women, or some women are, but most people are very set in their ways. So it's a matter of working with that. Then they have their children, and it depends on relationships. So it's 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 different. I understand emotionally there's challenges associated with other relationships and their families. Physically, what challenges are there if you want to be in a physically intimate sexual relationship? I believe the challenges are, one, um, for the women, if they dry or they haven't had sex in many years, and it's a generation gap. So women from their 20s, 30s, and 40s, women are different. They have sex, they, it's fine. But the women from 50 up, 
I don't even know they had oral sex with their partners prior to in their marriage. I don't know if they hung from the chandeliers. I don't even know if they got coochie cream uh, candles. I don't even know if they masturbated. I don't even know if they had oral sex with a man. So when you say a generational gap, you mean there might have been less exposure to a diversity of sexual activity? I know it has because I work with a lot of women and I work with a lot of women and in all my conversations or their conversations with me will say, oh gosh, I haven't had that in, oh my gosh, I wish, I wish. And I'll say, well, may I ask what's wrong? And they will share whatever is wrong. Well, talk, talk about your side of the from your from real well, work experience. Well, with women. from my experience, that most women haven't experienced. In my experience, I don't think most of these women have had oral sex and 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 uh, done some kooky things or dress up. Or I think what's happening in marriages, which is it's been before me even, is that everyone has been married over fifteen or ten years get bored. And they take each other. They don't have a date night. So I think the younger couples do. Let's, let's say Thursday night's our date night and Sunday is our evening is ours or whatever. Um, older couples don't. They've been programmed to be with the kids, their grandchildren. Some not. Some of them are fabulous. They'll go away and still put in the time of their roles as grandparents. Um but I don't think that they are risque in the think of, of oral sex. I think they might want to do it behind their partner's back. Do you think they're afraid to ask for it or it's too shy to talk about it? I think it's not, they weren't brought up with that. It's outside of the box? It's outside the box, yes. I think also that couples in their 60s and 70s have worked hard unless they've made really a, a financial difference in their lives. They They have... They work hard. You've got to look after your children. You've got to look, care for them, drive them to school, clean, wash, cook, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, yeah, I think that sex is the last thing on the table. Hopefully that I believe that every woman in the world, no matter how old she is or how young old she is, is seduced by romance. If the man is romantic, a flower uh, a chocolate, a surprise, just a hug and say, I love you, makes women melt. And then they become all giggly and, 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 and sweet and they're excited and they want to run and hug and kiss. And, um, and I, I, I might be too very eyed about that, but I think it's so true. I know that, um, actually, I have to tell you that all my blind dates in the last six months, I've had two men fly up, one from New Orleans to meet me, sending me beautiful orchids the week before he arrived, one from Dallas who sent me flowers, and um, and it didn't work out. You know, they just, just didn't work out, and that's fine. Uh, they've been very romantic. They want to, but I don't think they can perform. I think that's another thing that's stopping everybody sort of getting together. The men know they have issues. So you think they're resistant? Yes. I think if he knows that he can't have an erection, what is he going to say to her? In my case, that's what, you know, he got that out the way. So everybody's scared of something at this point. Correct. 
And there are even young men that are not great lovers. They're not imaginative. You told me once that, and you use very general terms, but I presumed you were talking about yourself from your own experience, that the woman always has to set the stage. She always has to set the mood. And sometimes that's not fair and you get tired of doing that, but that it's worth it. What did you mean by that? I do think the woman has to set the stage. What does that mean? Well, in a relationship, and let's assumably say I was a young woman of 40 or 45 or 50 even, I would put candles in the room, wear a sexy nightdress, come out in heels probably, um, make a romantic dinner or take us out. I mean, after being married, you know, and comfortable with your partner, obviously, do a romantic dinner and, um, and surprise him for a change. Do you think that sets the stage for him or do you think that sets, both of us. sets the stage for you? Yes, both. Both. Both, because he doesn't have time. But you have time. You're pretty busy. I make time. You're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. I make time. Yeah, I, I do. I make time. You're a, you are a high, high achieving. You're a, what's the word? What's the right word that I'm looking for? Oh, you are an overachieving businesswoman at this point. Mm -hmm. Very successful. Made quite a name for yourself. You work longer hours than anyone I know. I don't know where you find the energy, but but for you, it's important to set the stage and make time for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does that do for you? Fills my soul. So if I was married right now, and I probably would have help, more help than I have at the moment. You know, I'm one person at the moment, but I do have help. There would be flowers on the table, and I would have prepared a lovely dinner for today. And if I wanted that, and the wines, and have music on and do that. And that gets you in touch with sensuality. Mm -hmm. Have a shower together. I have a beautiful big bathtub, put salts and music and, I like, you know, what kind of music they like or we like. So since you're not with someone right now, do you do those things for yourself? Yes. Tell me about that. Today I'm not by, I'm by myself. And this whole weekend I'm by myself. So I was, um, I did have a date for this evening and I canceled it because I've grown up. I was introduced. No, I, I went out on Sunday evening for a date, blind date. And um, then I found out through a friend that she knew this person. She was best friends with his ex-wife. And she told me such stories and she was very upset and her husband was very upset. So I canceled it because I don't have time to waste. I don't. So tonight I have already flowers on my table. I have candles and I'm going to make a nice dinner and I'm going to enjoy my evening. So when you set the stage for yourself, mm -hmm. does that provide some of the same comfort? Yeah, comfort or, or spice or emotional connection I with think, yourself? Yeah, I think being by yourself is extremely difficult. And every day I say, what can I do better to entertain myself if I'm going to be alone this weekend or in the evening? During the week, it's a little easier for me because I do things um, besides work. Um, does it do what it does with a partner? No. 
Loneliness is a very difficult thing for anyone, including a man. A man, it's easier for him to go out and sit somewhere that might be fantastically at a great bar, high-end bar, and enjoy himself or have dinner. I've actually um, gone up to, uh, uh, I've passed the exam to learn how to go out uh, on my own to a restaurant and go to a great place for dinner and uh, sit at the bar. Now, um, like actually this evening, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, there's a place that plays music at a really very fabulous place, and I still don't have the the, the um, courage to go by myself. So I'm going to try again the following week. I, every week I give myself a test. You, have, still you haven't have to done tell it. me once you get there, though. Yes. I'll be so proud of you. Yeah, once I get there. I haven't, I haven't passed that yet. So I do the best I can and keep myself full of, of good things, and I'll go to the theater by myself or if I want to go to the ballet. Not everybody likes what I do, you know. And there's this, this um, stigma that you shouldn't be going out on a Saturday night by yourself, but I don't know if that's an age difference. Says who? Or says the age difference between a 40-year-old <laughs> <laughs> and someone in their 60s, late 60s or 70s, you know. That's that that that's that's the difference. That's the age gap you were talking that's about. That's the age gap, and it does come up. It's just like women. Um, my therapist would say to me, "Why can't you just be friends with benefits? Why can't you? Because to me, that's bad. It's bad, or it's not what you want. I think first it's bad, and then I think it's not what I want. Okay, but do you actually think that it's? Bad, or is that the reflex feeling that you have and then you have to stop and think about it? I think that's my staunch ballet training saying you weren't raised to do that. Got it. Yeah, that, again, that's the age gap. But you do legitimately want, in your heart of hearts, in your soul, in, mm -hmm. in your poussoir, you want a monogamous, committed, forever relationship. That is what you're looking for. Yes, there's a great line from a very famous singer. The greatest love in the the greatest love in the world is to be loved and to be loved in return. Nat King Cole. That's the greatest gift. Dogs need love. You get a lick back in return. People need a hug. People need to know that they need it. And loneliness we it's up to us to make the it's up to us to make the best of our situation. I'm good at that. It's a lot of work, and sometimes I get oh gosh, what do I want to do? And then I get lazy, you know. And then I won't get lazy, and it's difficult. It's really difficult. So right now you'll set the stage for yourself. Yes, and I do want to go to bed. I do want to make love, and I'm a very vibrant woman in the sense of uh, my body's healthy, my body's strong, uh, my poussoir's on the way to being extremely successful. I've got to do my homework now. I've been um, sort of slacking. Poussoir. I like yeah. that. <laughs> well, I like my, I love my poussoir. I've learned to love my poussoir. It's very necessary. Tell me that, please. I think that's important. It's like my hang-up about... Friends with benefits. It's just go out to the guy who, and just have him for sex and going out. And I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could just have sex without an emotion. I don't know how to put the two together. I don't. 
at this, believe it or not, stage of my life. And I wonder how many women do between 60 and, and 75. I don't know. Maybe they do, you know. Maybe they have to join the Pussywell Club to let me know what's going on because I don't know how to do that. However, I have, I'm very positive. I believe there is someone out there for me. You were telling me why the self-love and the Pussywell love is so important to you. I think when we touch and feel our bodies and you can masturbate and you can set the stage for yourself in your bedroom, like when I do my homework for my vagina, I do put beautiful music on. Then I have my lights low and I put candle on. And, and then I stimulate myself with fantasy. And that helps me a lot, especially because my, I call him Barney, which is insane, but he's um, very big. And his, the head of Barney is very round, exactly like a man's penis. And this is the dildo you use for self-treatment. This is the dildo for for self-treatment. But it's huge. I mean, it's like, oh my God, when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God. Why did you pick such a big one? I didn't. The therapist did. And she said, look, don't ever think that a man's penis is as big as this. It'll only go in this much. But it's the entry that you have to be working on. And that is exact diameters of the head of the penis is absolutely exactly like a man's penis that is extended and ready to penetrate, you know, the vagina, which I felt better that the whole thing wasn't going to go inside me because I was like, can't even get in the door. So it sounds then, kind of intimidating to see a, a tool that's, that's Well, it was huge. It is huge. No, it was. It is. And that it's really the head that cannot go through because I clench. I wasn't moist enough. So you're working more in the entry of the Well, vagina. once you enter, then you find. But a lot of women are dry. A lot of women have, um, I take now twice a week uh, estradiol. Um, I actually work my lips and my rectum with um, coconut oil, which is very good because I put coconut oil over my body so my skin is soft. So for the women out there that is 60 and up, put a lot of oil because our hands and our elbows get very dry in our skin. And the more you oil yourself everywhere, including your pussoir, you're going to have a better time with your husband or your boyfriend or your partner or whoever. So when you take care of yourself, setting the stage for yourself, prioritizing time with yourself for your self-treatment. Yes. There's a question I want to ask, but I can't quite get there. Because you talked in the beginning of the interview about how it was like a beautiful flower. And yes. that when you're with someone, it's like watering the flower. But right now you're not with someone and you do that for yourself. So why, how do you do that for yourself? What, what does that mean for you? But also, what are the benefits? Why do you feel that taking care of your poussoir is so important to taking care of yourself in general? It's clearly a very important piece of your self-care. I learned from my gynecologist, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I don't want to lose it. I want to feel youthful and loved and cared. So I have to take care of it because sclerosis took it over. Um, I have to do my homework in order to keep that. It's like a muscle. It's like everything else. You get up and you work out, whether you go to the gym or you do other modalities, 
that you have to learn that you've got to relax those core muscles and all the modalities are telling you to tighten those muscles. Especially what you do. And especially what I do. And then what happens is that we've got to open, we've got to relax, we've got to breathe. And I think the missing link, as you said, was also it's the foreplay, it's the stage, it's the set, it's the music, it's having a shower together and giggling and laughing and softening him up just for 15 minutes or half an hour of your time. Softening him up? Yeah. Softening his mind up. <laughs> um, playing with him, uh, giving him oral sex, tickling him, loving him, climb on him, you know, take the power, seduce him, seduce him, you know, and then he will learn from you and then he'll seduce you. And I think in our dialogue, as we get to know someone intimately, you say what I like, what you like, I like, you like. And so you you get a whole repertoire together. The other thing about going back to the lotus flower. So when I was working with this particular therapist, she told me to imagine I was lying in water and my body, my pelvic area was like a lotus flower that opened and to breathe and just to look up and to feel myself. So in other words, I can take um, Gucci cream and start playing and masturbating with myself. Then I could use the um, a George, which is I call the electric um, vibrator. And then you practice the entry. It depends what you need to work on. And then you can, and I think the more you use it, the more you want to have sex because it makes you feel, it just takes this block of concrete and just melts you. It does. Do you feel that way when you're masturbating and when you're with a partner? Yes. If I'm with the right partner, yes. You have to feel that. Now, some women don't. Some women are with men not for that. Yeah, this is something very personal to you. This is how you take care of yourself and what's important to you. Yes, I think that now. So the last two months I've been very neglectful for my um, homework. But this coming week and this weekend probably I'm going to start discovering myself again and um, put aside the things that are bothering me. Because if you're upset about other things, like I can get, I just sit and watch TV and I fall asleep. I try to read. Sometimes I can't focus on that. If I'm truly, I've been very upset in the last couple of weeks and two months with certain issues, I, it has stopped me doing that. It, it really has stopped me doing it. And sometimes I get angry about it. So for an example, I was in the most beautiful places on my vacation, but I was alone. But I was with wonderful two guys who are friends and a, a female. But in my moments of being alone in a beautiful room that was very romantic and and very upset about having to walk away from this guy that I had met and we clicked. And then there was another guy that liked me, but he has something else. So he was... so. Part of my issues at that point was that I'd met 
three men that had three dead wives. I called it the Dead Wives Man Club because they were stuck and nobody went for help. So one of them goes for help, but I think there's something else with this too. There's a a different um, issue. That's frustrating because you work so hard to help yourself and to get through. Yes, and another thing, you have to be lucky. Luck is a big part of it and how we expose ourselves. So I think what my work has cut out for me is to look as good as I can look and go out on the nights that I do want to go out to places that I will frequent for myself and walk in with, uh, with uh, courage and conviction, walk in. And that's the generation gap for me. I always think I look, maybe I look like a, pro- a high-end prostitute or something. You always look beautiful. Well, thank you. But... You know, like, oh, my God, am I going to do that, you know, by myself? But I'm a talkable person. I'm always, everybody's always speaking with me, which is interesting. My very first time going abroad by myself um, four years ago, I um, was in Italy, and I went to some really incredible restaurants, and um, I've never really actually spent so much money on one person for dinner. (laughs) It was like, okay, okay. I had the whole tables, everybody's table, everybody around me was my uh, companion that evening. And the waiters that were sitting with me, it was just amazing. When I introduced you, I said you were fireworks, and I did mean it. I mean, (laughs) yes, you are a very sociable person, but you've got so much energy. I do. Very vibrant person, very open. I I think people like hearing someone be open. I think people like hearing someone be transparent about themselves. And it gives us permission to accept parts of ourselves when we're around people that are just so comfortable with who they are. And you're like that. You're very comfortable with who you are, or at least you present that way. No, I'm, I'm much more comfortable now in the last six years than I've ever been. I've done a lot of work in the last six years on everything, my sexuality, my pain of my um, issues that happened before then, a contentious divorce, um, being a mom is always the best thing, and I have a great relationship, and I love being a mom, and I love being a sibling, and I love being an aunt, and um, I love my work. Uh, there's a lot of things I love. There's a lot of positive, but then I really had to say, you know what, now you're at a certain stage in your life uh, where most women give up. They can't be bothered. They can't. Um, but for me, my, my sexuality, my pussoir is important. I want, I want a partner in my life. I want to love someone because I want to be loved back as a woman. I think that's, you live longer, happier. And what's better than sitting at night with your, your, uh, partner and having a lovely glass of wine and making each other happy, not only just speaking, but, uh, Sexually, it makes you, it's fabulous. How could it be bad? With the right person. With the right person, it could be bad. With the right person, it wouldn't be bad. No, with the right, oh yes. I always say it's better to be alone than with the wrong person. And I think that you're being very selective and you're finding a way that while you are alone to really enjoy yourself and take care of yourself. Well, that's my, that's my biggest priority. 100%. I mean, that comes first. 
has to be the right person. I don't need a dinner from anyone. I do need, I'd rather sit down and have a nice conversation with a glass of wine with the right one, potentially to be the one, you know? And that was Ella Reza. Our conversation continued, but it was too much to include here, but hopefully she'll agree to come back and talk with us again. Maybe she will report back that she did find the courage to go to her fancy restaurant alone, or maybe even with someone special. But knowing Ella, there will be a great story either way. In the meantime, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and leave comments and feedback. I would love to hear from you. I know Ella would also. Until we talk again.